It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone. I did it again. I always I wave before I make the before I say hello, and which makes for a weird edit. Because it's like, and then when I cut in, my hand is already in motion. Ah. Before I, so what I need to do is say, hello everyone. Boop. Right. Um, but I, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And then I know when I go back to cut off the start. That <laughs> 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 there's no real clean place to do it. So, uh, welcome to the Monday check-in on a Tuesday. This is two weeks in a row. We've it been is. on a Tuesday. So, yeah. maybe we'll keep that going. Maybe we won't. Who knows what the future holds. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman. I'm one of the pastors, First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Craig Allen Pickett, the other pastor of First Presbyterian Church. Uh, glad to be here with you on this post-150th anniversary worship celebration Sunday. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which for many of you may not mean that much, but for... Uh, for us, uh, the staff, and a lot of volunteers, there was just a ton of amazing effort that went into uh, to making for a really meaningful worship experience and celebration on Sunday. And um, we're really happy, still sort of basking in the glow of that um, and also still recovering just a little bit from all of that. So, mm-hmm. uh, But uh, we tallied the numbers this morning and we had uh, over 500 people uh, we had like 370 in person and another 130 that uh, participated online. So 500 people were part of that service on Sunday, which mm-hmm. is, that's like approaching uh, our Christmas numbers and, and higher than our Easter numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. I suspect some more people will kind of check it out over the next week or so, right? Um, we'll probably make a commemorative DVD of it as well. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Will it be like gold plated or um no. And just one? Just one just commemorative, one commemorative DVD. DVD that mm-hmm. we will then auction off to the highest bidder. And then everybody else can just go to Facebook Live and watch the recording right. service. And only the households that still have DVD players will be interested in it. Uh, I count my household among those. <laughs> I don't I don't You don't have a DVD player? Sure you do. Your gaming system can play DVDs. I suppose it could, but why? Because <laughs> <laughs> my TV can just stream them. It's true. Most likely. So, at any rate, that's done. It's over. No more 150th. Except for all the other 150th <laughs> celebratory events yes. and activities that we have planned. We'll talk more about those later because that's the second half of this little endeavor. The first half is a miniature Bible study where we take a look at the scripture that's going to be used for the upcoming week and have a little discussion related to it. So we talk a little bit about the themes that we might see in it, uh, the questions we might have for it, the questions that it might have for us. And then we switch gears and we talk about life of the church, and we oftentimes begin with an opening prayer. I think it's me? I think so. Yeah, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, may your spirit be with us. May 
your presence, uh, open this scripture to us as we begin to study it for this week, as we begin to dive into your word, um, help us to find your wisdom, your truth, your nurture, and your challenge. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, this coming Sunday, September 17th, will be the day we're going to take a look at Genesis uh, chapter 18, some selected verses from Genesis 18. And let's uh, point out to our loyal listeners, too, um, we are making a shift in terms of our text selection. Uh, During the school year, we typically follow what is called the Revised Common Lectionary, Um, and this this Monday check-in has done that now for three years. Two years, two and a half years. Um, three years. Yeah, 2020 to 2023. Anyways, uh, so that's uh, the Revised Common Lectionary is, is provided for and used by many, many mainline churches. It's very close in line with what the Catholic Church also preaches on. So Christians all over the world are generally hearing and reflecting on similar texts every Sunday. Uh, and so... And also walking a specific path through the Bible. Correct. Yes. Uh, so there's also other ways to select texts. And there's a, a different lectionary set of readings called the narrative lectionary. And uh, so we are shifting gears starting this fall. And we're using the narrative lectionary, which has a different set of prescribed readings, also a different way to sort of walk through the Bible. And what it does is really tell the story of God's work on earth and God's people through a narrative format where there are stories that build upon each other and uh, key stories of the Bible that are key moments in the Bible. And so that's, uh, we're shifting gears and we're going to give the narrative lectionary a shot, at least for this year. Um, It's on a four-year cycle, so we may try to commit to it for four years. We'll see how this year goes. Um, And what we try to do is line everything up. So our Christian ed ministries and the scriptures the kids are learning about are going to be the same as what we're reading in church on Sunday and the same as what we're preaching on and the same as what we're talking about here on the Monday check-in and that sort of thing. So that's 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 what's going on, hence the selection of this text, which is the text for this Sunday for the narrative lectionary. And you're going to see the narrative lectionary throughout the rest of um, this academic year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe after we're done with this method of selecting scriptures, we'll just use the dartboard method. I... I actually have always wondered how pastors selected their scriptures before the Revised Common Lecture, because that didn't really come into force until the late 70s and early 80s. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if a few pastors might have just had a dartboard with the different books of the Bible as around the dartboard, and they would just like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the practice of we're in the Gospel of Mark, and we're just kind of going to go through the Gospel of Mark. You know, I think stuff like that was probably more prevalent. Yeah. Just, you know, uh, we're going to study the Acts. We're going to study First and Second Corinthians. And, and we're going to start verse 1 and just kind of work our way through. And, and that's the way that some churches still do it. Mm-hmm. And actually, this narrative lectionary is going to push us a little bit towards that direction. Uh, because what you'll find in the spring is that we do a really deep dive into one of the Gospels. Um, and yeah. so... Uh, the Revised Common Lectionary does a little bit of that, but the Narrative Lectionary goes a lot deeper. And so you're going to find us really digging deep into, uh, I believe, the Gospel of Mark, actually, this spring. Um, and is it Mark or Matthew? Oh, I, think I don't it's know. Mark. But yeah. 
I had a different. I was thinking that <clears throat> maybe this means that we won't have to read so much John in Lent. Yes, that is correct. Because that was one of the things that really, no matter what year you were in the Revised Common Lectionary, there's a lot of Gospel of John in right. Lent. Yep. Um, so, but I'm looking forward to these next few weeks because it seems we're going to study a lot more Older Testament than we typically have. Yeah, well, that's right? that's going to be the case in the pattern with this narrative lectionary is every fall we're going to do Old Testament stories and every spring we're going to do a deep dive into a gospel. And so, yes, we get to dig into the Older Testament. Which excites me because... Well, good. This, uh, this is the stuff that I really like. We haven't, uh, haven't picked a Sunday for you to preach yet, but yeah. you'll be doing that soon here, so... I'm glad you're excited. So we're diving in with Genesis 18 uh, for this week. So this is going to be Abraham and Sarah. This is after their names have changed. uh, After they were Abram and Sarai. And God calls them uh, to journey out to the land that God will show them. So, So this is later on. In the story. So this is uh, some selected verses from some of Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. Mamre? Mamre. What do you think? Mamre. Mamre? That's how I'd say it. Mm. By the oaks of M-A-M-R-E. As he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, he looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham rammed to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said there in the tent, Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah, as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time, at the time of which God had spoken to him. 
Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. That's where it ends. Greg, what do you got? Um, well, I'm thinking about uh, preaching a sermon about the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to this passage of Genesis 18, Sarah had prayed to have a child. and um, So thinking about the power of prayer, but also the, the power of, of laughter and of joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the direction I think this sermon is headed. Do you think it'll work? Yeah, probably. One of the things that I really like about these Older Testament stories is um, I oftentimes find a degree of humanity in them that I don't necessarily find in the Newer Testament yeah. stories. Say more about that. Um People react <laughs> um, in ways that you would expect people to react. Um, and Sarah laughs. And there's also just like this very lived-in feeling to it. Um, Abraham sees three strangers at his tent uh, and you know, runs out to greet them, and they have a conversation, and... It's unclear if Abraham, the idea here is that these folks are, are God or are messengers of God in, right. in, in some sort of way, shape, or form. It's maybe Abraham recognizes that in some way, but also maybe he doesn't, because uh, there's also this little famous bit of, you know, for some have entertained angels unaware, right? From Hebrews, yeah. Right. Uh, and maybe that's a reference to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, then, okay, well, well, I'll get you some water, and you can, and we'll you, we'll get your feet washed. Which you know, people who are familiar with the Newer Testament that should <laughs> hopefully resonate <laughs> should with them pop yep. up in in your brain a little bit. And then he runs. He's running everywhere. He goes out and gets a calf. And on my on the side, I wrote. How long does it take to butcher a calf? <laughs> we have people in our congregation that can answer that question. For right. You. I mean, I know that you can... I know people who hunt and, like, they field dress the deer. Right. And they can do that pretty quickly, right. I think. But, I, you know, because that's the same calf that ends up getting served to these folks, it right. seems. Right. Um, and, but I also... One of the things that... There is a lot of there's a lot of joy in this part of the story, um, but there's also a lot of hidden struggle mm-hmm. in this story as well. Because earlier in the story, in the narrative, Sarah does pray for a child, but she doesn't receive a child. Right. Um, and then they come up with this plan for Abraham to have a child um, with Sarah's maidservant. Uh, Hagar, right? right? That's right. And that child is named Ishmael. Um, 
And so, yeah, and we have this, Sarah is, is I think, justified in her laughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, three strangers show up and tell you that I'm going to have a child. And you, and you believe them? Okay. Right. All right. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And then also the very human response of her getting challenged about her laughter is like, I, I didn't laugh. <clears throat> right? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you did laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, in that part of the story, the voice changes to the Lord. Yeah, so it's interesting because you get a shift in uh, pronouns from uh, plural to singular. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have three people, right? The story clearly says three men standing near him. And then by verse 9, it said, they said to him. And if you go back and look at the yeah. Hebrew, we've got the plural pronoun, they said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? Mm-hmm. And Abraham says, here in the tent. Then one said, now we've shifted to one, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And, and then a few verses later, the Lord said to Abraham. And so um, it's just this interesting, the focus goes from three people to one people, and, and then the mm-hmm. one person to the reader now knows that it is the Lord, Yahweh, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, in, the, in that same character, in verse 13... The Lord said to Abraham, and there, okay, the readers just hear that reference. Why did this, and then this is, quote, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Um, And so that expression of the Lord, Abraham would hear. Right. And Sarah would hear. And it's... And maybe this character is now disclosing who they are. Yes. To them. Yes. Referring to God's self in the mm-hmm. third person. Yeah. Right? Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Because is anything too wonderful to the Lord? At a set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denies that. I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. And then we jump forward. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said. The Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah, there's... Um, a little bit to unpack there. Yeah. So, and this story is also, uh, if, if folks are familiar with the story of Hannah that comes up later on, mm-hmm. uh, or the story of Elizabeth that <laughs> comes up later on as well, uh, and maybe even the story of Mary. Uh, she also has an unexpected pregnancy, mm-hmm. right? Um, like there are echoes of this, and it helps to establish this idea of. The things that that human beings find to be, at the very least, improbable, are not so with God, right? right. And this sort of the sort of narrative arc of God makes a way or finds a way when there is no way, or it seems yeah. as though there is no way forward, right? Um, Sarah's laugh when she laughs, it also always reminds me of. Um, is it? Ezekiel that goes to the, the valley, valley of, of the, the dry, dry bones, bones. Um, and and God says to him, "Mortal, can these bones live?" And Ezekiel's response is, uh, "God, only you know, or God, you know," is which 
which could be read as, um, well, God, you're the only one that knows whether or not. And it could also be read as, uh, you know, God, um, <laughs> right. which is the way that like you would respond if a child asked you if, if something was a, a possibility and, right. and well, you know, uh, we've got a lot of things to do and it might not, you're kind of trying to soften mm -hmm. the, uh, that answer of, of no, no, these bones can't live. Right. <laughs> They're bones. Um, and there's some of Sarah, uh, Sarah's laughter sort of reminds me of that passage as well. Yeah. And it's interesting that God, Sarah's not punished for her laughter. No. In no. the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and another special feature of worship on Sunday related to the scripture um, is that uh, a member of our church uh, who happens to be married to the guy sitting next to me uh, has written a song about this scripture, uh, which is part of a larger work of a cantata that our chancel choir will be uh, using to lead worship during the season of Advent. But um, Hannah has graciously agreed to, to share this song as part of our worship, and I think will probably uh, be tied into the message and whatnot. And so um, that will be really special. Um, mm -hmm. Hannah wrote this song uh, four or five years ago uh, at Damon's request when he was asking her to, I think, write songs about particular scriptures. Yeah, We were experimenting with a different form of worship and um, she wrote the song and it deeply touched me. And the song became part of this larger cantata that she was writing. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But it also touches on these issues of um, Sarah and God and this conversation and the laughter. And what it does is, is portrays a very intimate conversation between God and Sarah. And uh, it's stunning in its intimacy and thinking about our relationship with God and how it can be that intimate. Mm -hmm. um, that God is that close as, uh, what did you put in the uh, communion liturgy? God is as close as, as our breath. Yeah, um, so that actually comes from uh, the Book of Worship from the UCC yeah. Church. Close to us as breathing and distant as the farthest star. Yeah. That's how it's written. And the closeness, and we the, the, the theological terms we use for that, we talk about God's radical transcendence, which is God is God of all creation and mm -hmm. the farthest galaxy and God's radical eminence. And that's a paradox we hold as Christians, that God is both radically transcendent over and above and through all things, including the galaxies and the stars, and God is radically imminent. God is here with us now. And, uh, and Hannah's song about Sarah really emphasizes the radical eminence of God and how much God loves us and, and is intimate with us. And so it, it suggests... It blows out this conversation a little bit between God and Sarah in a beautiful way. Yeah, it does. I, um, we have the lyrics. I don't know that we need to read them for folks. They can just show up on Sunday and be surprised by them. Yeah, I think they'll, the lyrics will probably end up in the bulletin too because I think they're a as a, just a piece of written literature, poetry. They're beautiful. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does well to imagine everything that is conveyed. Because all, 
all of this stuff is in there. God's, in Sarah's laughter, and in God saying, why did you laugh? And all of this is, like, this is one of the things that I like about these stories, right? And that I like, and probably about the stories um, in all of the scripture more than the um, pontificating <laughs> parts of the Bible is that all of this is in is in those two phrases, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so much can be so much is conveyed between human beings, like just in the way that you say hello to someone, right? Right. Um, and then yeah. these sort of like knowing these sort of knowing phrases and knowing glances and this way that people have of, you know, I can say one thing to you and I can say the exact same thing to somebody else. And it means something completely different. Yeah. Um, I, I like all of that. It's all that stuff. Yeah. More than I really reading through Paul. Well, good. Oh, no, you think it'll preach? I hope so. What does the name Isaac mean? Do you know off the top of your head? It has something to do with laughter, doesn't it? I would. That was my sense from this. It's not as yeah. clear, right? Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son. Uh, da, 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 da. They circumcised. And then Sarah says, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Which... But anyway, all right. Switch gears. Yeah, let's talk about all the things happening in the life of our church because there's a lot. Mm -hmm. So we got through the 150th worship celebration, and it just keeps right on rolling. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll start with this Wednesday, uh, which is tomorrow, uh, at least if you're listening to us on Tuesday. Um, but uh, we've restarted all of our Wednesday evening programming at the church. We call it Wednesday Night Live for our pre-K through uh, through high school youth, children and youth, and that's happening. Uh, we have a dinner time from 5 to 5.30, um, and then uh, both musical ensembles and uh, Bible studies and uh, fellowship time after that. And so um, if you've got children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews or kids you know that would benefit from that, come on down. And the dinner time from 5 to 5.30 is really open to anyone. And so uh, you're welcome to come down and, and join us for that. Uh, also, our uh, adult chancel choir and our adult bell choir rehearse on Sunday nights. Chancel choir is 6.45 to 7.30 and bell choir is 7.30 to 8.15. So we hope you can join us for all of that. That's uh, We're back into the full swing of that. We started last week. It was joyful and energetic and um, full of laughter and all, the, all those things. So uh, that's Wednesday night. Uh, this Sunday, the 17th, um, we've restarted all of our Christian ed stuff. So we have Sunday school that starts at 915, but we're also restarting our contemplative worship service that, that we hold in the chapel. And so if that's more your style of worship or more your time of worship, you can join us at 830 in the chapel yeah. for that. That's about a 45-minute service. It ends at about 915, which is when our Sunday school hour starts. And we've got Sunday school for all ages from uh, littles, three-year-olds, all the way through to adults. 
And uh, we're starting an adult ed forum series that we started last week that kind of reflects on the history of the church, given our 150th. Yeah, that's the idea, a series of forums to, to, to tie in to the 150th. So <clears throat> this coming Sunday, we plan to have a forum taking a look at, and <clears throat> taking a look at excuse me, and exploring the history of music ministry at First Prez, and also sort of talking about and thinking about what might come next um, in terms of, of music ministry. There are some interesting music ministry things starting to percolate um, mm-hmm. up at, at this time. So so that's the that's the plan for this Sunday, to take a look at uh, music, the, the role that it's played, and maybe the role that it will continue to play. That's this Sunday, the 17th. Next Sunday, the 24th, Laura... Laura Marvel, Laura Marvel Wunderlich, well, she is in the process of compiling an addendum, an addition to the church history, Correct. right? Yes. So she is going to share some um, some of the things that maybe she has discovered in going back through church records and histories, uh, other sorts of interesting things that she is compiling to, to be put into there as well. So it'll be interesting to see. That's very much a work in progress. For her, but it'll be interesting just to kind of hear what she is coming across, what sort of things. As she kind of tries to take a look at the whole thing, what what are the important stuff that is emerging, right? That right. she said, you know, this is really the identity of the place, mm-hmm. um, are these things. So that'll be interesting as well. So that's, kind of, that's the next two weeks yeah. for Forum. The other thing that's happening on Sunday the 17th uh, is that we are uh, officially launching the church's capital campaign that we're doing in conjunction with our 150th anniversary. So um, this week, we're mailing home booklets that describe the capital campaign and the goals um, and also the sort of the why behind it. Uh, you know, we're, we've built the capital campaign around the themes of hospitality, accessibility, being family friendly, and then also preserving and maintaining um, our beautiful building. And so uh, we hope that those will hit people's mailboxes this week and that they'll come on Sunday, September, September 17th with some excitement and perhaps even some questions. Uh, and so we'll be prepared to answer those and we'll be launching that with an exciting announcement uh, because we've already received some pledges ahead of time. And so we get to share uh, where we're at with the pledges and then uh, invite the congregation to be thinking about what they want to contribute to this capital campaign. So that'll be great. I'm excited for that. Um, the, the timing of that for those who are interested is, uh, we will be distributing pledge cards for that in mid October. Uh, so we have a month of really orienting ourselves and learning about the capital campaign. And then we'll, we'll send, be sending pledge cards out. And then, uh, November 5th is when we'll invite people to actually, uh, commit a pledge to the capital campaign. That's also, uh, lines up with our church's annual campaign too. So we'll be talking more about that, uh, in the next two months, but, just a heads up on that as well. Yeah. Then we have some some more interesting um, events taking place. Yeah. Special events in the life of the church. So get your calendars out or get a pen and paper out and mark down. We're going to run through these pretty quickly, but we'll remind you each week. And then they're also in our newsletter and in the bulletins. But uh, starting with Sunday, September 27th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, rather so it's than not a Sunday. Doing our traditional Wednesday Night Live stuff. Uh, we're going to try doing our Blessing of the Pets uh, event on a Wednesday night. 
And so five to six will be a church-wide cookout in the church parking lot uh, with burgers and brats and stuff like that. And then at six o'clock, we'll do a Blessing of the Pets service either in the parking lot or over in the playground area. And that will be uh, a joyful time on Wednesday, September 27th. Yeah. I think that's a cool idea. It's like an all-church cookout. Yeah. All right. So people of all ages, more than welcome to come, whether or not you have a pet. Right. Doesn't matter. Just and, and if you come have down. A- Grab something to eat, hang out for a little while, and yeah. yeah. And if you have a pet that doesn't behave well in large gatherings, mm-hmm. uh, we encourage you to bring a picture of your pet. Sure. And I will say a prayer of blessing over the picture of your pet. Mm-hmm. And there's a special feature to this service that we've been doing for the last few years, which is uh, Damon playing his guitar, leading us in the song, All God's Critters Got a Place in the Choir. You don't want to miss that either. Where are we doing this service? I think either in the parking lot or in the playground area. Okay. So we'll set up some speakers and stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking, hmm, okay, where are people going to park? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the 27th, which is of September, which again is a Wednesday evening. A couple of, uh, I mean, every Sunday is interesting. A couple of particularly notable Sundays that are coming up. October 1st, which is a Sunday this year, we will be celebrating Hastings College Sunday, um, celebrating our historic and ongoing connection to Hastings College. And also that is World Communion Sunday. So we'll be taking a celebration of both of those things during worship on that Sunday morning. And we will have uh, Hastings College President Rich Lloyd here, and then uh, Jessica Miski, who is a Hastings College alum and is a pediatric dentist who just actually won the, the 2023 Pediatric Dentist of the Year Award for the nation. Uh, she and I will be uh, doing a sort of a dialogue sermon conversation uh, about her Hastings College education and how that connects to her sense of Christian vocation and her life in this church and how that led her to pediatric dentistry and in particular to the work she does in pediatric dentistry with uh, with kids who are uh, on the margins. Uh, and so we're pretty excited about that too. Mm-hmm. So that's Sunday, October 1st. Mm-hmm. And then s- Sunday, October 8th um, is, what are we? The, I'm Jazz just, Sunday. Jazz Sunday. Jazz Sunday. Uh, and there's a couple of other special events related to this. Yeah, it's going to be a whole jazz weekend. So there will be a concert at the Lark on the 6th that will include a professional jazz band and Hastings College students, some of whom who sing in our choir. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be a concert in our sanctuary on the 7th with a professional jazz band and our chancel choir backing them up. Mm-hmm. And then there will be uh, Sunday, October 8th will be Jazz Sunday, and so we'll do sort of a jazz worship service. But it's not just any jazz. It's Theodicy Jazz. It's the Theodicy Jazz Collective, mm-hmm. which is a group that was started by a child of this church, Ann Phelps. Uh, she grew up in this church and her folks still live here in town. When Ann went to Yale Divinity School, she met up with other very talented musicians mm-hmm. and they started talking about the intersection of jazz and theology. And they... As, uh, as we all have. And well... Yale does have a really phenomenal program in sacred music. So it's a usual they, Tuesday yes. evening at my house. Yeah, probably is actually. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, anyways, and me and the cat—that's what we talk about. Yeah. So uh, so Anne got together with some other folks who were Yale Div School students, and what they've done is they've gotten together a group of professional jazz musicians from around the United States, 
um, that have a heart for sacred music as well. And they take their show on the road and they, they've played in some incredible venues and we've got them coming out here to Hastings, Nebraska. Uh, and so we're pretty excited about that uh, for, for that. There's more, but see, that seems like enough. We've got you through October you 8th, right now. and then mm-hmm. we'll keep updating you as the fall goes on. Yeah, so, and as, you know, keep an eye on bulletins, newsletters, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. All right, closing prayer? Let's do it. Okay. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for this opportunity to sit down and study your word and also think about all the things happening in the life of our church. Thank you for these uh, ancient stories from the Older Testament and the ways that they still speak to us today, the ways that they remind us of some facet of who you are, God, and how you love us and care for us. In the week ahead, God, bless the preparation of the sermon and bless this congregation as we prepare to hear um, a reflection on this word and also continue to move forward uh, as, as your church in this 150th year. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.